I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome back to another episode of Life Exchange. Uh, And just as we open, I just want to ask, remind you, uh, do the podcast thing. Uh, If you would if you would so kindly just pause for just a second and rate and review our show, we would very much appreciate um, that. So go ahead, pause, and then come back three seconds later. Okay. All right. So today we're going to start out with a question uh, similar to a question we've kind of covered before. So this may be a short answer, not sure, but um, someone asked, um, how do I calm myself in stressful situations? And for me, I have had to learn how to do this. I have a phrase I've coined called paper bagging it. And that's the phrase that I say when I'm, I know I'm about to have a panic attack or mm-hmm. about to hit hyperventilation. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you're about to paper bag it. So um, you, need to, you need to check yourself. You need to do something here. So I understand um, getting into these stressful situations that are usually not physically stressful or physically... Um, like you're, you're not in physical harm or physical danger, um, but inside we get ourselves all worked up. So... Um, I, this has been the running joke, but breathing exercises is just (laughs) the thing that I use to calm myself down first. Um, That's what I go to. Uh, The the first one is just the four, seven, eight in through your nose for four counts, hold for seven counts, out through your mouth uh, for eight counts. Uh, There's lots of these out there though. Just look up belly breathing or look up breathing exercises. Um, You've done research on this. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mild research. I don't like extensively research anything, but, um, but it is, it is helpful. And some of the physical reasons for that, it's, you know, the worst thing to hear when somebody's stressed out is just calm down, you know, breathe. Nobody wants to hear that. But when I learned why that's actually beneficial because it's actually oxygenating the thinking part of your brain, it's allowing the feeling part of your brain to regulate. Um, it is, activating your parasympathetic nervous system, which calms your body down. Um, it, it helps to calm your heart rate. It helps your um, nerves to you know, relax, um, your muscles to relax. So breathing is not just, it's not just this thing that we say to get people to, <laughs> or to, to placate people, but it actually, it actually is very helpful. It's very, um, it's good for your body. So me helping, helping, or when I know the physical dynamics of what breathing actually does, um, it helps me to like talk myself through it. And if you're in that place where you are paper bagging it and you're already like, you know, you're about that hyperventilation, you might not be able to take deep breaths, but um, beginning to think about your breathing, start regulating your breathing. Um, you know, again, look up different exercises you can do at that stage, but it just really helps. So... Wow. <laughs> I didn't know all that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do it on, and now I'm much more quick to do it. I don't, not that I'm like at panic attack stage all the time, but I catch myself when I'm getting stressed, when I feel my heart rate, you know, spiking, um, when I notice myself getting to that stage really quickly, I'll go, okay, check your breathing. Almost always your breaths are shallow. You're not taking deep inhale breaths. Um, so then I can just do it quicker and get myself out of it quicker. So, okay. Wow. <laughs> well, I kind of process at the moment when I'm feeling, I'm going, why is this stress here? Uh, because there's a reason why we feel stressful. Mm-hmm. And it usually comes from what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're facing. And, but when stress is there, there's three things that uh, I process it through. One is recognizing I feel stressed because I feel powerless, meaning I don't know what to do, so I feel stressed mm-hmm. because I'm in a place of the unknown. I don't know what the future is. I don't know what this afternoon's going to do I, uh, right now. Uh, I feel powerless in what I'm doing. So uh, without giving you all the little details on that, I recognize that I'm feeling that way. So I stop and say, I'm not powerless. Mm -hmm. I do have the power of choice. So what can I choose at this moment? There are some things that are unknown and how can I figure out something when I don't even know what it is? So I I talk to myself is what I do. Um, Another thing is I recognize all stress is fear-based. 
And because it's fear-based, we want to step into that freeze flight or fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not just a physical thing, it's an emotional thing. But when I recognize that it's fear-based, I don't confront it by trying to figure it out or developing a strategy or using my skills or my abilities. I just stop. And um, not a, I don't even tell myself to calm down. I start focusing on things that generate faith, things that generate hope. Um, perfect love casts out all fear. So when I feel that stress, I... F- I focus on my father. I go back to memorial markers in my life, times where the father revealed his love for me, times that he spoke uh, different things to me. And I rehearse these memorials in my life. So it takes me out of fear and causes me to put my trust in the Lord, Mm -hmm. which is just a real powerful thing for me. And uh, the last thing is I recognize that when stress comes in, it's almost like a warning signal that rises, you know, this alarm that goes yeah. off and says, oop, you stay in this, you're going to do something you'll regret. You don't want to make decisions out of this place. So at that place, I stop, I inquire of the Lord um, and say, Lord, you know, what what do I do at this moment? What do I think on? What do I process? Uh, and so I recognize that I need to inquire the Lord and I start asking myself these questions mm-hmm. at that moment. And all those things, basically, it's taking my eyes off the problem. It's taking my eyes off the fear. It's taking my eyes off the stress and putting it to the author and the finisher of my faith. Because the fact is, there's just so much I can't figure out. You know, I can yeah. ask my questions, but my questions more, Lord, you know, what do you have for me? What are you saying to me rather than how do I figure it out? Because when the stress is there, it's because we don't have it figured out yeah. or we're fa- facing something we don't know what to do with it. So I, I can't lean on Melody. I've got to lean on the Lord in, in those moments. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes just acknowledging that you are stressed, getting it like mm-hmm. out, getting it externally processed a little bit yeah. can just help calm you down just just by that itself. It sure or, does. You're you know, saying, praying. Lord, I, really, I don't have any power to change this and it's okay. Yeah. And, and acknowledge those things because yeah. when we're weak, he's made strong in us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for me, a lot of times it's it's when I'm in that moment, I have to like make the mountains molehills again mm-hmm. because something has gotten so big that it's overtaking my emotions, it's overtaking my body, um, even my spirit at times. And so I just have to look at it and say, okay, what am I actually facing? And what is the next right thing that I can do? I think it's Emily P. Freeman has a book called The Next Right Thing. I think that's what it's called. Maybe not, but something like that. Um, But it's just recognizing, okay, what can I do right now? And doing the next right thing, doing that. Um, And it kind of helps to shrink that Mm -hmm. huge mountain of stress down to a molehill that I can tackle, that I can take on. It's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? So it's like, okay, I can't do this. I can't figure that out, but this is something I can do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's believed that 98% of your brain activity is completely unconscious. Yeah, yeah. So that deals like with your heart beating, digesting food, even your thought life, some thoughts that you have, you're not even aware that you're having them. (laughs) And so uh, most of what goes on in our brain is unconscious. So we have to realize that the world around us is affecting us in ways that we don't even realize. So how do we take control of things? How, how do we take control of things that we're just unconscious about? How, how do we deal with thoughts that we're not even aware that we're having? And I believe that you can directly affect your unconscious thoughts by how you command your conscious thoughts. That's very good. This is why we're commanded to take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. Every thought means it's conscious, right? So our responsibility is to what we know not what we don't know. So if if you're like, oh my word, what do I do with all these unconscious thoughts? Don't worry about those <laughs> because you're not conscious of them. 
So yeah. deal with the thoughts that you are conscious of. And that's why uh, people of faith, we have faith statements. We align our thoughts to the word of truth. We align our thoughts to the word of God. And so we're not only, when we do that, we're not only addressing our conscious reality, but we're also addressing our unconscious reality. Now, I'm sure most of most of the people listening to this can relate to this, but have you ever been afraid and your heart started beating faster? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you tell your heart to beat faster? No, your brain made a choice that you were unconscious of to tell your heart to start beating faster, or you were afraid and you began to sweat or your, your stomach became upset. Mm -hmm. So a function of the brain starts to affect you in a way that you're not even aware of it's working. Mm -hmm. You have two options, right? you can either make it worse <laughs> or make it better, right? So what do you do? Have you ever been afraid and you calm yourself down? It's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, you step away, you breathe. <laughs> Actually, I'm one that doesn't like to breathe when it's stressful. So that's <laughs> how I'm a little different. Uh, so How's that I working for you? <laughs> it's great. I, I become unconscious and then I wake up and it's all better. Uh, so you begin you to started breathing again. <laughs> yeah, I started breathing again. Yeah. So we calm ourselves down, right? We speak to ourselves. You kind of talked about that a little bit, but, but we can also pick up, pick up the phone when what's, what's rule number one. Oh my word. Rule number one of podcasting. Silence your cell phone. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Okay, I'm in a stressful situation right now. What do I do? Stop. Okay, breathe. I stop. I breathe. 20 seconds in, 20 14 seconds, seconds out. Oh, I don't know what it was. Okay, so we calm ourselves down, right? We, we speak to ourselves, but we can also make it worse, right? We can actually start thinking of the negative. We could start saying, I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess this up. I am going to make this worse. And guess what? our heart rate increases, mm -hmm. we have an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. So we have kind of two options what we're going to do. So have you ever thought that because you, you tell yourself that you're tired all the time, that maybe that's why your body's tired? Mm, yeah. Like, could that be? Or maybe you think, you know what? I can't trust people. So what happens? Your body language exhibits behaviors that look suspicious, yeah. right? You close yourself off. And so this is why we declare heaven's reality. This is why we identify with Christ's identity. Yeah. And this is why we decree his truth, because it has the power to change us from the inside out. So I said all that to say, the question is, how do I calm myself down in stressful situations? What you say to yourself when you are in these situations has the power to affect how you will react. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that, your thoughts have the power to change your external circumstances. Okay, I want you to get this. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts do not have the power to change your external circumstances. What I'm saying is your thoughts have the power to change your internal reaction. Mm -hmm. And that could be physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Mm -hmm. So like I said, just because you think happy thoughts does not mean it's going to change the external situation. It's just going to change how you react to it and calming yourself down. And I would say this, if you calm yourself down, I'm sure you'll handle that stressful situ situation a little bit better than being for sure emotionally hijacked, as, sure. as mom would like to say. <laughs> well, one thing, and you were talking about your heart beating faster, feeling sick to your stomach or whatever that might be, what it is, stress, according to science, is fear-based and it releases chemicals into every cell of our body and we're feeling that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it might be a subconscious... Uh, reaction to something and we're, we're not even knowing why. But everything you just said was so good, Joel, because in that process, what it's doing, it's giving your, your brain and your body time to recover because it can take up to three to four hours for those chemicals to leave your body. Mm -hmm. So you might not always, even through breathing, you might not feel it instantly, you know, by making all these good choices and inquiring of the Lord, you still might feel shaky in your body or uncomfortable in your body. Body, 
It just needs time for those chemicals to dissipate. And by doing those things, we recognize that it is a very, very important and foundational thing to do and know that our body will catch up to that decision that we've made. Now, I will add that if if the rest of your time of the day, like if most of your thought life is thinking how you're going to fail and how worthless you are or yeah. this or that, it doesn't matter like when you get into that stressful situation, it's not like, oh, I'm going to think these these uh, overcoming thoughts now. You actually have to practice that. You have to train that. So when, like when you think of the military, they train or they put themselves in stressful situations so that wow. when they actually yeah. do get into that situation, they feel more equipped than they would have if they didn't. Mm-hmm. So I would say, Practice and build yourself up. You know, uh, scripture tells us to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, mm-hmm. right? I mean, in that situation, David, you know, his own men wanted to to kill him, right? Yeah. Uh, so he ran to the Lord. Yeah. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. And I'm not saying that David didn't have these stressful emotions. I'm just saying his first reaction wasn't like, well, what should I do? He said, no, I need to strengthen myself in the Lord first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's Mm -hmm. important to strengthen yourself, prepare yourself, feed yourself before you're even in those situations. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The more you do it, you know, there are some people that deal with a lot of stressful situations like, or a firefighter or a police officer. Um, They've been doing it for so long that something that might shake us to the core, they're like, well, this is Tuesday evening, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm not saying that they're all totally emotionally healthy because of that. I'm just saying the more you encounter these situations and the more you press through them, I believe that you can feel more comfortable in those situations than, you know, I mean, if you're always going to be bent out of shape, well, that's that's going to be like the common thread. Well, when you were talking about David, uh, he faced Goliath. That that was a stressful situation, I'm sure. But he went back, which I talked about earlier, those memorials. Hey, I killed the lion. I killed the bear. I don't know if he was stressed because of the language that he talked to. (laughs) Who is this uncircumcised? (laughs) But but that was stressful for all of Israel. But because he had memorials... He knew who to lean on. It, you know, he had an experiential well, reality. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, emergency, you, you, having an emergency response plan is good. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I, if my house caught on fire, it would be super stressful, but I don't really have a plan. If a firefighter gets there, they have, they have a plan. They have training, they have experience. Mm-hmm. They're not freaking out like I might be freaking out. They're kicking into gear, but it's different because they have a plan. So I, I like what you were saying about having kind of that stress emergency relief plan of, okay, when stress hits, I'm already, I already have these tools in my toolkit. This is what I go to first. First, I cast my cares on the Lord. Second, I, you know, take deep breath. Third, you know, I I like, you know, get outside. I'll tell people go outside, get outside of the space because that's going to help you to shift out of the the stress. So just having those things kind of in your toolkit where you have a plan, like, okay, now I'm running my emergency plan. I'm running the fire drill kind of. Um, and And the more you have those things practiced when it happens, you just switch into that gear. And it's okay to admit that you're stressed. Mm hmm. I think you make it worse where you're like, I am so stressed, but I will act like I'm not stressed at all. And that's the right (laughs) response. I think it's okay to say, okay, I'm stressed. I'm feeling anxious right now. But like you said, I have a plan. Yeah. You know, I have these things set in place. So I'm not necessarily surprised when these things happen, but I I, I don't think it's um, honest to say, well, you'll ever get to a place of like where you don't feel stress. I mean, Mm -hmm. I yeah. think when we talked about stress before, it actually is a natural part of mm-hmm. our function. Yeah. Uh, a little disclaimer here is that uh, I think it's very important for us to process and be able to make uh, inquire of the Lord 
and make that choice. Like what's the best thing for me to do now? But when it comes to major decisions in our life, I do not think it's wise to make major decisions amid stressful situations because stress affects us emotionally. And when there's fear there, we don't want to make decisions out of fear, major decisions out of fear at that moment. Uh, I think our decisions are what's the healthiest thing for me to do to navigate through this rather than making a life altering decision when you're in general, like if you're in a boat and like, because that's how a lot of storms happen in, in scripture, <laughs> it, it's not like a major decision would be like, well, I guess we're not going to go to where we purpose to go, like our destination, but they might've had to maneuver in mm -hmm. ways in that situation right. that might seem extreme in that situation. So I think in the big sense, it's like, hey, we're not changing. Hey, we're going over to the other side, but in the midst of the storm, you might have to make decisions that seem counterintuitive because you're navigating the storm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot depends on what, you know, obviously if there's a bear going to attack you, your response has to be a little different oh, yeah. <laughs> than if, you know, you're deciding to change your career or, you know, right. a partnership or something it, It's like more that. major life decisions because... It we, is yeah. very hard to answer questions yeah. that are so broad. I know. Yeah, I know. that's true. You know, like, hey, maybe... Your next question is, my mother-in-law, blah, 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 blah. Very, very specific. Very specific, without names. We'll call her <laughs> Jody. <laughs> yeah. I do think this person was asking for practical things, which um, I am a big fan of. I just had somebody else ask for, give me some practical steps. And I do think a lot of times we think that praying or going to the Lord is not practical. I think we've talked about that in previous episodes. That's just as practical as anything else. Um, in stressful situations, uh, for me, practicality is staying in your body. That's I know this stuff might sound really hippie to you. I was like, what, is, <laughs> what heresy is staying in your body? Yeah, that's recognizing your breathing. That's feeling your where you are, staying in the moment, staying present. As far as, you know, take your shoes off, feel the ground. <laughs> oh my word. Oh, my I wish word. you could see the face. Just me. How but did I make it through life important. without this knowledge? She's like, let's, let's make it practical. Feel the energy from the earth as my feet touch no, the grass. What it's doing is keeping you in your body instead oh of yeah, um, understanding. Maybe this is another out. question that we can answer about. Okay, hey, it's fine. Probably I've had a lot more panic I'm, attacks. Okay, <laughs> I'm not judging you. I'm not judging you. Um, but it is those simple things of staying where you, staying in the moment. Of if I would have just known, I could have took my shoes off. <laughs> And put my feet in the grass. It's it would have fixed my problems. It's not about nature. It's about staying present. It's about recognizing where you are, that, you know, there's not a bear attacking you, that you are just in your backyard or you're just in your office or wherever, wherever you are. Um, there's, there's other is it techniques. Just, is that just a, a change of focus? Instead yeah. of focusing on the problem, you're focusing yes. on something else. It's because so your it's, brain, when you're in that right. hijacked state right. or that panic state, right. your brain is threatening you and right. your cortisol is spiking. Right. Exactly. And you are way beyond your moment. You're you're in that fear right. mode of everything mm -hmm. is so big, I don't know what to do. So it's recognizing where you actually are, that you are safe, you, you're not in physical danger, that all of these things that have built up in your mind are not actually all happening. They're not mm -hmm. threatening you. So um, there's other ways you can do color counting. You can, um, so that's just recognizing, okay, right now I'm gonna focus on every red object in the room. It gets your thinking brain turned back on is what it's mm -hmm. doing. That's what mm -hmm. all of this is doing doing is getting your thinking brain turned back on. You can um, start to count every object that's a square in the room. It's just really simple. It's just keeping your thinking brain on so that your feelings, your hormones can regulate, that cortisol level can come down, and then you can begin to think things through more properly um, to have a better response um, other than just hyperventilation, panic attacks, which I know you're making fun of, but it is such a big deal. So many people um, have anxiety and are walking through these things. So. I'm not making fun of it. It's just foreign to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
it's less foreign to me for sad reasons, but, <laughs> um, but those things as crazy as they might sound, it's all it's doing is it's keeping you in your body. It's keeping your thinking brain turned on so that the rest of you can regulate. So it's cause I'll tell people like, um, you know, go watch something funny, go laugh. And they're going, why are you doing that? You're just trying to distract me. No, I'm not. I'm actually trying to get your body to calm to a place where it can think and see a little bit more clearly. So that's all that those techniques are doing. Yeah. What has got your attention has got your direction, right? So yeah. you're putting your attention in a different direction. Yeah. And you're not like stuffing allow- it. It's not like, well, I'm never right. going to revisit this. If it's If it's something you actually have to address, it's not like you're just denying it or ignoring it. No, you're actually just getting your body to a place where you can address it in a cl- in clarity with a clear mind. Yeah. Or if it's something that you like stirred up anxiety in you or stress in you that is not actually happening. Um, do you ever like you get all worked up about something and then your body comes down and you look back and you're like, why was I all worked up about mm-hmm. that? It does not, it didn't, it was nothing. It's that kind of thing. You've just gotten beyond your thinking, your ability to think clearly. So then you can actually revisit and go, oh, that actually is not worth getting stressed about. It just was like the camel or the straw that broke the camel's back. So now I can just let that one go and move on. Because if you don't refocus in whatever way we've talked about today, uh, the fact is you will make that molehill into... A mountain, yeah, because it gets bigger and bigger and bigger because we're focusing on it so much, and, and your we're body can't actually so keep up with that. Pardon? Like your body can't actually keep up with that, mm, right. so it's just going to keep building and feel building. Yeah, the, yeah. And listen, I'm no expert. <laughs> Do your own research. Go to the doctor, see a therapist, all of those <laughs> things. But little techniques that I've learned that can be helpful. <laughs> so, well. And you God ha- God has no problem with us applying practical. I mean, He things. created our bodies. That's right, body, soul, <laughs> and spirit. Right? Yeah, exactly. Any last jokes before we move on? No. I'm... <laughs> well, that took a lot longer than I thought it was going to for that question, but hopefully that was helpful for some people. All right, are we ready to move on to question number sure. two? Sure, very ready. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, the next question, um, serious tone. Um, I know that I have people in my life who love me. Why is it still so hard for me to open up to them and tell them how I'm really feeling? Big question. That's a loaded, loaded yeah. 50 million ways you could go with that one as well. Um, I just have a couple little points. One is just fear of man, which means what will they think of me? Uh, you know, are they going to see less of me? You know, because the fact is you share, if I tell somebody, they're going to think, you know, something is wrong with Mm -hmm. Melody or, or I thought she was this or that. And, and we just are afraid of people's opinions. And, uh, if, if I tell them what they believe about me, is that going to be unrepairable? You know, that type of thing. Um, I think also is being fear of being labeled. So uh, I'm going through something and I'm afraid to talk to Katie because now not only she might not just view me in a different way, but she might label me a certain way. And none of us want to be labeled, especially labeled in a negative way. So we fear being labeled. Um, uh, Another thing I think is if we are in a place of leadership, uh, we feel it can hinder um, being transparent or authentic or uh, me, me coming to you, Katie, and talking about something which I'm free to do. But as a leader, sometimes you go, how can someone follow us? I remember thinking Mm -hmm. that many, many years ago as a pastor, I had to have it all together in how I responded to people because how can they follow me as their pastor if I don't have all the answers or if my life is not perfect? So those are just a couple things. I have more, but I'll let you guys uh, go with some of the things you're talking about. But in a sense, here we are dealing with something and we're putting up all these fake walls of protection, hindering our ability to 
to really have healthy, transparent, you know, relationships that really are an exchange of life, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we, we cut it off because we put ourselves in this box and then we have to figure it all out ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I mean, you said it in so many words, but I think it's hard to do because it's scary. It's, <laughs> it's a scary thing to open up to another person. Um, the definition of vulnerability is setting yourself up for attack. Yep. So uh, it vulnerability by nature is a scary thing. So I think it's very normal that you feel that way. Did you have something? Well, you, when you gave the definition of that, like why would anybody yeah. ever want to be vulnerable? Yeah because it's worth it. I mean, how's it working for you not being vulnerable, I guess? Um, It works for some people. It works for some people. Yeah, sure. Like, why wouldn't it? Well, I guess if they have had good experience. Well, I think the question, you know, it's saying, okay, people that love me or that I love, like, which Mm -hmm. one is it? Like, um, because... Scripture tells us to love our enemies. Okay. So are we going to... Well, the question was, Maybe I know that people love me. more than love. I know that people love me. I know that I have people that love me that I could go mm-hmm. to, but I'm still afraid to go to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I think I took the same... Um, or I'm going to answer it in the same way that, that mom did. I, I'm going to give a few options because the question's pretty broad. But so why is it hard to be open about how I'm really feeling with those I love or that love me? Because you don't want their perception of you to change. Right. So uh, let's say they always saw you as the strong one or the reliable one or the the one that holds your stuff together. Mm-hmm. Stuff, that's a nice way yeah, of saying it, it, right? <laughs> we got it. <laughs> uh, in some ways you like, the way that you're perceived and then you're almost mm-hmm. afraid if I am honest and they're going to perceive me in a different way. And it's really good. Then they might treat me differently. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's, maybe that's a fear. Okay. Option two, this could be another reason. So why is it hard to be open about how I really am feeling with those I love or love me? Uh, just because they love you doesn't mean they have the power to help you. Okay. So let's say their ability to receive your honesty just makes it worse or it doesn't bring resolve or it just brings confusion or fear. Now, if let's say your parents are ones that overreact, Mm -hmm. guess what? I'm probably not going to bring up certain things because they're just going to make it massive and it's just going to make it worse. Now, if you have parents that our therapist, <laughs> they might be able to help, but just because you love them and they love you, why do we feel like we have to say everything that's going on inside of us? So it's kind of like, um, my kids love me and I love my kids, but they sure don't have the capacity to right. help me resolve my issues. That's mm-hmm. so true. And that's okay, so good. So, it's hard because this question is very broad. And so every relationship's a little different. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, it would be wrong for me to try to get my kids to fix me. Correct. Yeah. You know, or if I talk to my parents and they have a history of overreacting, well, that just makes it worse, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and I'm sure I'm taking this very differently than Katie will take it. So that's why we have life exchange and we have different opinions and, and all that stuff. So my other option was, why is it hard to be open about how I'm really feeling with those I love and those who love me? Um, I guess my question is, why do we feel the pressure to have open conversations about how you feel? Now, now I do think it's important to have these type of conversations but I think it's with a handful of people. It would be stressful if I felt like I had to have these deep conversations with any person I had a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And definitely. so, you know, when we talk about, hey, you need to have heart to heart conversations, that might be with just a few people or maybe people that you want a deeper relationship with. But, but like I said, if we're talking about any level of loving relationship, well, scripture tells us to love our enemies. So are we 
like that doesn't seem wise to me. So. Yeah. Well, I kind of gave two things that, okay, if I'm facing something, there's two ways that I can go. Number one, is this, is this something I can work through independently? Because not everything needs to be communicated. So do I have the ability to, okay, I'm facing this. Do I have the ability to be proactive? Do I have the ability to gain understanding? And, you know, I know myself. Is this something, okay, I'm just having a bad day, just chill, relax, breathe, whatever it is, <laughs> and go through, and, and I can work this out. This is okay. Uh, or is this something that is going to keep me stuck? Is this something that has been hanging around that I have not been able to deal with? So in that case, I need to find some trusted individuals that I can go to or a trusted individual to be And that be might able be someone that doesn't, quote unquote, love you, but you're paying. Yeah, it could be a therapist. It could be a counselor. I I just feel like sometimes like, okay, if we're in this relationship, I have, and I'm not saying that I'm not promoting dishonesty. Correct. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying who's, who's to say that we have to have all these, like, and this is my more, my propensity, right? Like, I do. Hey, I've had very honest and real conversations with people that I do life with, but I I don't think it's this huge blanket that it encompasses every relationship in my life. No, most definitely not. It's a, it's a small few. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't recommend for anyone to open up your heart with your enemies. Like you were saying, like we're called to love our enemies, but they're still our enemies. So I would not suggest just opening up to just anyone. Um, but well, let's say you have a sister that has a propensity to be fearful. Mm -hmm. And so I know if I talk to my sister that is, has a propensity to be fearful, I know that it's going to cause problems with her if I'm actually honest or. Yeah. I guess I I think it depends what it is. If the situation has to do with your sister, then you have to realize, well, yeah, this might be the reaction, but what is the benefit of me doing? Like if, if I actually need to push through that in order Mm -hmm. to, to bring resolve or to bring clarity or to bring healing in that area, um, then doing that, if it's just a generalized thing that you're dealing with, that has nothing to do with your sister, maybe Mm -hmm. she's not the person needed to go to about that. See, now I was reading this question through the grid of something I was dealing with, not necessarily relational conflict and and that type of thing. Yeah, that's the way I I was as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking more of, you know- I wasn't even talking about conflict. Right. Let's say uh, you're dealing with depression and you tell your sister and she's like, oh my word, I'm like, starts flipping out. And like, I don't know if that makes it better. Yeah. Like- um, Correct. Do I think having honest, real conversations at the proper time, at you know, do I think they are important? Yes, because I I do it. Yeah. But I I just think to have a blanket statement like this is the this is the right way at, at all times. No, I no, just no. don't think. No, that's... the way I was reading this question was that you know you have a person you could go to. Yeah. That they will respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. They're a safe person. They will hear your heart. They won't judge you, but you're still feeling like you can't go to them. That's the way I was kind of reading this. It's mm-hmm. not just so general, so broad. It's like, well, I know that I could go to this person. I trust them. I have good experience with them, but I still feel like I can't. So what is that? Why well, can't I Well, I do mean, that? if your silence is producing dysfunction in your life, well, yeah. then I would say that's something that need to be that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. But it's still a scary thing. It's sure. still hard to actually open up to another person, even if it's a person you know that you could trust. So then I would start to ask, well, okay, why? Why is it so scary? Is it scary because you're afraid of this thing being actually exposed? Not publicly exposed, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe you've been carrying it around so long um, that, that it's such a fear that what if this actually made it into the light, even in a safe place, what would actually happen? What would that feel like? What would that be like to actually, for another person to hear those words, to hear that experience of what happened to you or what you've been experiencing? 
Those are all very scary things. So I think it's just starting to ask yourself those questions. Well, why is it scary? Are you afraid that you're going to be rejected? Okay. And then for me, it's kind of like, well, keep going. So, okay. What if they reject me? That's going to feel really bad. That's, that's going to maybe affect my ability to open up to another person. Well, I guess their love isn't very deep. But you just have to keep asking those questions. It's kind of yeah. like breaking down the worst case scenario because fear is this huge um, cloud of the what if. Mm-hmm. Well, if you keep going down that path, well, get yourself in your in your mind, in your thinking, not in your feeling. Well, okay, well, what if they don't respond well? Well, I still got it out of me. That's still a win. I can... I might not be comfortable. It might hurt my feelings. It might not be what I want it to be, what I expect it to be, but at least I got it out. At least this thing I've been holding for so long, at least I did open up. So I just think kind of breaking down that, that big fear and seeing the benefits, not just the what ifs in the, in a negative way, but the what ifs in a positive way of, Oh, I, I'll actually feel this weight come off my shoulders or um, I'll actually know that I'm not alone or people will know what I've experienced or, you know. I love what you said. I think that was a key. When we find someone to talk to, we might not even have a solution. Yeah, yeah. But to know that I'm not alone is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Uh Let's say I'm talking to you, Katie. You can't fix it. You don't have the ability to fix it. But to share with someone that I love, that loves me, we're out for one another's good. We're going to pray for each other. Mm -hmm. That in itself is a win. Yeah. And because we were not designed to be alone. And what's really beautiful is when there are trusted relationships that I can be real and I'm loved as much or more, then that that builds a security inside of me mm-hmm. that I don't have to fight this battle alone. Yeah. You know, there are people who are for me. Yeah. With every risk, there's a reward. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so do I believe that there is a reward with having open, real, on, honest conversations about how you're feeling? Yes, there is a great reward in that. Mm-hmm. Um but I think I was just going more to the standpoint of like, you know, hey, there are some people that, you know, you, you walk into church and you're like, I'm going to hear a life story right now. If I ask, how's it going? They're going to take it some literally. Some people will tell anybody, or, I'm not that way. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just go- coming from my perspective. Um, and I don't know how healthy they are because they'll tell anybody and their brother, they'll tell the dog walking down the street. I mean, I don't know how, how beneficial their vulnerability is. I don't know. I I believe in that situation. If it's in a healthy way. Well, no, even if it's not, what it is, is people search for someone to understand. And the fact is what I'm facing right at this moment nobody else, even if I share it, is going to really understand it because they're not in me. Yeah. They don't know. And and just some, some people, because they do feel isolated or they do feel alone and they are struggling, they, they're just searching for someone to understand. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even somebody talks to me, uh, I, I can say, I can say I understand if I experience something familiar, but I can't say I understand when it's out of my experiential yeah. wheelhouse or my knowledge base wheelhouse. And and but that's everyone needs to know that someone genuinely not just cares, but they understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that so an individual who might talk a whole lot is the long talking is to try to bring understanding. And when I know here, I just shared with Katie for a half hour, nothing got resolved, but that's okay because she took time to understand me. So just that process was healthy because like you said, I brought it to the light with a safe individual and well, I was just talking about people that will tell anybody. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, some people, I mean, their yes. lives are just open books or yeah. they're, 
you know. But I believe that's sleeps. why it is because they're searching for someone to care and to understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm on the the side of listening, all I can do is love and value, even though I can't fix. Yeah, I think there's limits to that too. Like, don't mm-hmm. just let people treat you like a garbage dump. And oh no, just that's different. Yeah. Every problem, like you can also, you know put boundaries there and all of yeah. that. But but back to this question about the one who is afraid to actually open up. Um, I'd also just say like, if that's your fear, well, actually ask yourself what story you're telling about yourself. Yeah, that's good. Because if um, the story that you're telling yourself is that, um, you know, no one wants you, no one sees you. If, if they knew they wouldn't accept me, um, well, then you have to recognize that you might be believing a lie that's keeping you from opening up in a safe space. Um, or you might be really walking in a, a shame story that, that, you know, that you'll never be good enough or if they knew this about you or whatever the lie is, um, kind of recognize what story you're already telling about yourself. And if that story is not one that God would tell about you, if it's uh, based on a lie, if it's based on fear, if it's based on shame, well, is that a story you want to continue to walk in? Um, because if it's not, then opening up to a person might be a really big step in changing that um, narrative that you actually might realize, oh, I'm actually loved. I'm actually accepted. I'm actually valued. I, you know, all of those things, the story can actually start to change. So recognize yeah. why you're afraid um, and go from there. So if I made you feel worse, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. no, I think you brought a different perspective. Don't open up to everybody, please. Disclaimer, do not open up to just everybody. <laughs> don't have your kids, don't expect your kids to fix you. No, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's Listen, a lot on it that is one. A, And I've told people this, like even in um, marriages or in relationships, um, if you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to tell your husband this deep thing, don't do it during the Super Bowl. Like (laughs) time it out, (laughs) set yourself up for success here. So find that safe person, find the moment, do it then. So, all right. Okay. Are we ready for, for another question? I think so. Okay. Oh boy. This question to three pastors. I don't agree with my pastor. (laughs) What do I do? I want to know, is this somebody in our church? (laughs) No, I don't agree with my pastor. What do I do? I think most people don't agree. (laughs) I just think it's, I mean, unless you're living in an echo chamber, like you're going to go to a church. That's why people hop from church to church. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just even talking about as a disagreeing with the pastor. I'm just saying in life, no one is in 100% agreement. It's just part of life. Yeah. And so I think, yes, this question was directed to uh, the position of a pastor, but we have to uh, navigate disagreeing with people all the time. time. And so if you can navigate it in other situations, I think it will be similar in in this case as well Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. My response to this in all caps was talk to them. Um, Talk to your pastor. Don't talk to every other person in your life. Um, Talk to the person that you actually disagree with. Um, don't do this like during the sermon. You, know, you always have those people that are just free to call out in the middle, um, but schedule a time to actually sit down one-on-one with your pastor. Um, and I would say in that meeting, um, don't start with the attack. Um, start with asking questions because curiosity uh, can do a lot for mending or bridging relationships when there seems to be a gap. Um, because a lot of times, and this is, this is, really true. Like you might hear something that your pastor says um, during a sermon and you're basing their whole theology based upon one point that they made. And I will just tell you as someone who has preached sermons, you we cannot cover the full gamut of a topic <laughs> in a 45 minute some window. churches 
their preaching is 15 minutes. Yeah, you just can't. You cannot cover every nuance, every perspective of a topic. And so you might be really like thinking that you have this hard disagreement with your pastor about something when um, if you have to actually ask them about it, ask questions or shared your perspective, you might agree a lot more than you think you do. And I think unless the pastor's just reading their notes, believe me, you're going to say things that sometimes you're like, <laughs> I don't even know if I agree with that, but it just came out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. I think this is true in just any, just living with people, just allow, just extend grace wherever you can. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And Because the fact is, no one, which we've already said, agrees with everyone all the time. I think we have to just look at it and say, uh, in that disagreement, how much weight does it carry? Mm-hmm. Is it is it a religious tradition? Just get over yourself. Leave it alone. <laughs> it's like, why make mountains out of molehills? Why, you know, camp on something that'll be divisive? It, it's just not wisdom. It's not godly. It's not pure. It's not peaceable. Uh, just, hey, just let it go. But if it's weighty as in foundational doctrines yeah. or, or things that uh, are so foundational to the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation and the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ. And then all this, like who cares if it's pre post or mid trim? It's just like you could spend forever. If that's going to divide relationships, I I think that we would be a very divisive person. So I don't think you have to address all those things. We can just say, Hey, we agree to disagree. You know, my thought theology and that's a little bit different than your uh, and that's okay because it doesn't hold a lot of weight. But if it is a matter of <clears throat> the plan of salvation, if it is uh, a you know a matter of life and death, heaven or hell, mm-hmm. then that that's something that you you want to discuss and you want to do it. But when you do discuss it, uh, you want to make sure that you come with honor and respect. Uh, you don't go to any leader. You wouldn't go to your boss and tear him up one side down the other, or you might not have Some a job. Do. Um, but I can get away with it with a pastor because they're supposed to love me. I can just yeah. let it all dump out and you know. I mean, that's, you, you need to be respectful. I think that's true for any situation. Exactly. I think if you don't do that, that reflects who you are, yeah. not, you know. And, and we don't talk to try to get agreement or to try to control another person mm-hmm. to think like us. Um, hey, I've been married almost 47 years and we don't think alike. And if I talk to him about something that I disagree with him, because we disagree on things, <laughs> that if I'm doing it to try to force agreement, then it's going to divide us yeah. rather than, well, tell me what you think, how you think, why you think it. And, uh, and I'll tell you from my perspective. And what's beautiful about that, we can grow from each other. We can begin to see things from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And some sometimes the thing that is such a big deal to us really is not that big of a deal. But, you know, I love people to tell me uh, what they think if they do it in respect and in honor yeah. and and not to have some ulterior motives to try to manipulate or control. Yeah. You know, it's, if God called you to be the pastor, you would be the pastor, <laughs> um, but he's never called you to try to control the leadership, mm-hmm. communicate and have relationship uh, with, you know, to have an exchange of life with them. That's beautiful. I mean, we've got people in our church that, you know, I go to for prayer and for counsel and we're quote unquote, their pastors. Mm-hmm. It's, we have a beautiful exchange of life, but where there's uh, control or manipulation or arterial motives to get what you want, that's just totally inappropriate and ungodly and yeah. don't go there. Yeah. I think the first that's thing pastor that you're talking, I guess. <laughs> I think the first thing that you need to do when you disagree with a pastor or just anybody is the first thing that you have to do is seek understanding. Yeah. yeah. Because maybe you disagree because there was a misunderstanding. Yeah. And so sometimes you just have to have that conversation and That's be like, good. oh, I didn't mean that or I didn't even realize that. And there was just a misunderstanding. 
you also have to look at, do you disagree because your worldviews clash? Mm-hmm. Probably. That's probably <laughs> a big reason. Do you disagree because interpretation of scripture? Probably. <laughs> uh, do you disagree because you don't like how they lead or their style of leave it, leading? Probably because your previous pastor was the best pastor you ever had in your life. So to work out these endless possibilities of disagreement, you have to be willing to talk to them. And as Katie said, it does not mean talk about them to everyone else. Uh, And like I said before, this is true for any conversation where you're seeking clarity or understanding. Here's a few practical tips is ask questions. So don't accuse, Mm -hmm. ask questions. Don't assume the worst. Be honorable because honor and and value come from who you are and you extend that. Very good. Uh, Value the person above their opinion, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. if you disagree. Validate who and what they do in the middle of disagreement. Mm -hmm. I think you call that the sandwich approach. Yep. Like you, uh, hey, I love this. I love this. But hey, this thing is rubbing me a little bit. And then go back to like, and like I said, this is true for any situation or any conversation where you need to uh, resolve something. Um, I, I, I think if everything that they do is wrong, yeah. why are you at that church? Yeah. Like and seriously, then ask yourself: Is that the same for every pastor you've had? Yeah. Or? <laughs> <laughs> What's the common denominator for this? <laughs> yeah, I, I look at it as like you know there, are, and and I think eventually it does happen. But if if you could find fault in in everything that someone does, then there's about four hundred other places that you can bless them with your presence. <laughs> The, the fact is there is not one human being on the planet that knows everything. We all know in part and we prophesy in part. Mm-hmm. And that's not just the pastor, but it's also you. So I have to recognize that maybe my opinion is more a subjective interpretation of objective truth, not literally mm-hmm. the pure objective truth. Yeah, I heard a pastor say that the word of God is in, inerrant, meaning it's without error, but our interpretation of it is not. Yeah. Correct. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. I mean, just like with anything, I could ask a group full of people um, <laughs> what their perspective or their interpretation of something is, and you're going to get 20 different answers. Uh, and so that's why, again, I think it's important to go to the person you have a disagreement with and not everybody else. Because if I go to you and go, well, what did you think that they meant by that? What did you think that they meant by that? Well, what did you, yeah, I think he might've meant that. Uh, I think she might've meant that. And then you have worked yourself and this group of people now up into um, uh, a way of thinking. And if you actually just talk to the person like, oh, that's what you meant? That's what you meant by that? And you work people up in, into offense and then yeah. look at what you created. Yeah, it's, you know, just, and, it's not good. Yeah. And really in this, we're talking maybe about doctrine and those type of things, but I think it's also... Well, I'm talking about style. I'm talking about... It could be how they handled a situation, but you might not know all that's involved in that situation. Yeah. And the pastor isn't going to say to just everyone, this is why I handled this situation in that way. Yeah. So... um, Yeah, it would be like one of your kids, Joel, flipping out because they didn't like how you handled a situation, but they don't know the whole story, right? And you know what? You you might actually also go to them. You might explain how something made you feel and they might apologize to you. They might, might, I'm not saying that they will, but you just don't know until you go to the person. Mm -hmm. So that's... Yeah, if your method of resolving it is to talk to everyone else, then... Yeah. yeah, that's not. Or that is not offense, a healthy, or maybe it pushed yeah. a button from something that happened to you before, and you're thinking, "Oh, it's just happening again." Or you just don't know until you go to the person. You just have to do that. So the key in everything is, if you have a pastor, my heart or my hope for you is that there is a realm of love and relationship and trust. Mm-hmm. That when you have that. It's not hard to talk 
to them because the foundation is laid. You've proven yourself trustworthy. You've tr- proven yourself as one who is committed and loyal and, and loving and caring and kingdom building. And if that's the type of person you are, you can talk to them about anything. Yeah. But if you happen to be one that uh, gets overly emotional and g- does gather other people into your thing, then that pastor probably would be struggling with trusting you. So you can't expect them to open up to you if you've been known to be divisive or to be um, judgmental or to be critical. But I mean, you might not even know that you're like that. And I would just say, still just go to your pastor directly. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that that's always the the route here. Go yeah. to them. Yeah, never go to somebody else. Yeah. It's kind of like if someone said, I didn't like how this was prepared. And so my resolve for it is to go around to everybody and put poison in their food. <laughs> Be like, oh, this is gonna make it better. Or say, oh, don't eat that. It's not. It's not good. Or like, yeah, yeah. But I think bottom line here is like, it actually is okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree Most with definitely. your pastor. It's okay to disagree with people in your church. We are not used to that anymore. I feel like we are. We're so quick to just. We have a disagreement, and so we either make a mess or we just leave. And But it's actually healthy to have those. I think it's actually good. It's good for us. To me, uh, we get to actually see different sides of the kingdom at times that we just haven't seen before, or we, we hear different languages that we haven't heard before. We um, hear different experience. There's, there's so much benefit to actually not being in that echo chamber and not totally agreeing uh, with everything. Um, But also that said, like if it is a theolog, like if it is a, they're saying that you can get to the father through anybody but Jesus. Like Mm -hmm. if it's a big deal, um, that doesn't mean you have to stay in that church. Like you actually can disagree to a point where separation would be beneficial. And that's where we kind of talked about doing that in an honoring way. Don't take everybody with you. Um, go to that person, explain you know, what's happening, the difference. Um, they might receive that well, they might receive that poorly, but you can only do your part. So um, just having that conversation and then you know, go, go find, um, find a house where you can be fed. And if you've ever been gone to a new church, there is a honeymoon period. Yeah. It's like someone comes in, this is the most amazing thing. I'm like, well, what, how, when's this honeymoon period going to be over? <laughs> Three months, six months, a year, yeah. when's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. And that's not bad or wrong. It's just, hey. It's just like when you, you know, get married. <laughs> exactly. It's like the things that never bothered you before now bother you. So, yeah. I will say this from experience. You can't expect your new church to be what your old church was. Mm-hmm. If that was so great, why did you leave then? Mm-hmm. Um, and each church, each pastor has their own expression. They have their own way of doing things. Um, and and a church can't be everything to yeah. everyone. It's just not possible. That yeah. That's so good because I believe just as individuals have a, a unique expression, I believe every church has its unique expression and, uh, and it gathers those that can partner with that vision and that purpose and that expression. And honestly, as we were talking about some of this, I'm going, oh man, this takes me back to years ago with all the chaos and the drama and the division and the people gathering people. And I'm going, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, um, we say, well, now it's like this. Well, like for us, I look and I'm going, we are far from perfect, but it's not the way it used to be. And I think one reason is, is because we proclaim we are a gossip-free zone. Does that mean everybody in our church doesn't gossip? No, but it's not acceptable in this house. That's not what we're going to do. And that we um, are a prejudice-free zone. And what's prejudice? Pre-judgment. And we're not going to make judgments from assumptions. We're not going to make our decisions or even our opinions on a person, the pastor or any person in the church based upon an assumption. And I will add that a gossip-free zone means that there is more healthy communication. It's not not removing communication. It's it's just talking to the people that 
there's the issue with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the opposite of gossip? It's actually direct communication with yeah. that person. What's the opposite of prejudice? It's curiosity. It's actually yes. going to that person exactly. asking questions. And value. And, yeah. 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 Validation. So. Actually, if we would have just said that in the beginning, it would have just <laughs> solved it all. <laughs> well, you got our long-winded answer. Well, yeah. you know, we're definitely speaking from the pastoral perspective. Yeah. But... Um, that's our perspective. I was going to say, that's you why you listen to us, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. But I've also had leaders in my life and um, have gone to them and communicated to them in in the way that I want to be treated. So I just think we, the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. Yeah. All right. Well, with those magic words, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Magic words. Now we're back on this oh. magic stuff. <laughs> oh, guys. There's a big difference. I feel like I'm going to get hate mail. She's off the off a rocker. Well, then we know they're listening if you get hate mail. <laughs> yeah. well, we're not going to call her Pastor Katie at Shaman Katie. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, gosh. If you knew how like anti that stuff I am. <laughs> But I'm uh, saying that joking. Uh, so yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. I'm letting them know. I know that you know that. I'm just, I'm just, he doesn't think that's I'm what crazy. older brothers do. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you would like to express your opinions, your thoughts, or if you have any questions for future episodes, if you get help from taking off your shoes and standing yeah, in the grass, let us know. To you, please tell me, validate me. <laughs> But you can do all of that at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. And again, we would love it if you would rate and review our show. And until next time, we'll we'll see you next week. Bye.